We needed to raise the bar in terms of performance in our business. Often good, good businesses communicate well, don't they? Yeah, definitely. And communicating well is difficult because everyone likes to communicate <coughs> in a different way. Yeah. Some people love a lot of information, some people don't want any information at all. Some people like to chat like this, some people want a big long email. So you're trying to cater for the masses, aren't you? It swings and roundabouts. When you're in a bigger business, there's a frustration that there's lots of processes and red tape to go through. That's a frustration, isn't it? Yeah. When I joined Progressive in a small or medium-sized business, it's very hands-on, you can make decisions, but ultimately the book stops with you, and if you don't have those skills, you've got to make a decision, haven't you? Another challenge that we've had as a business Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today I'm joined by the usual guests JV and Neil. We're also joined by Peter Jow, who is the Managing Director at Progressive Safety. The good news is we did it. We got past 100 subscribers. So thank you to everybody that subscribed over the last couple of weeks. Please support us as much as you can. So like what we're doing, subscribe, share the content on LinkedIn and other platforms. We really do appreciate your help. I've set myself a new target, 200 subscribers by Christmas, and I need your help to get there. With all that said, welcome to tomorrow's workplace today. Welcome to podcast, Pete Jow. Thanks for having me. Pleasure, our pleasure. So for listeners, watchers, kind of just give an introduction who you are and what you do. Yep, so Peter Jow, um, I'm the managing director of a business called Progressive Safety. Uh, I joined Progressive in January 2019, so I've been there for nearly four years. Joined as sales manager, became managing director officially in May 2020, just after the... <laughs> Good timing. Great timing, yep. hence the grey hair. <laughs> uh, and prior to that, um, 23 years at Arco. Okay. So I've Is pretty much all my working life been in the sort of personal protective equipment, safety, footwear, workwear industry. Okay, so progressive safety, you say it's in the safety industry, but specifically what? where do they fit in terms of that kind of supply chain? Yeah, yeah, so we are predominantly um, safety footwear and workwear, probably about 80% of our business. Uh, and about 80% of our business is sold through distribution, so we sell it to somebody else who sells it on to the consumer. Okay. So yeah. different to what I did before. Yeah. Comes with its challenges, but yeah, so that's pretty much how it works. Let's start with that then. So what, compared yeah. to what you've done in the past, what a slightly different model, slightly different position in the supply chain, what are the challenges that come with that? Yeah, to be honest, you wouldn't think that there were many, but it's it was quite an eye-opener, mm. uh, really. Uh, I mean, it's all to do with thinking about the consumer and working it backwards, isn't it? So when you're dealing with a, a distributor, uh, you are very much beholden to them. It's, it's Our industry is competitive, anyway but adding a third layer of margin is surprisingly mm. complex when you're working it back through the supply chain um, so what you're really relying on um, is is trying to sell in volume and trying to really get some efficiencies into your business so you're selling more for less mm. if you like but yeah the complexity about adding another layer of margin the other complexity that we have in our business is Although we sell predominantly through distribution, we do sell to the end user as well. Okay. So we do try and manage that scenario and that dynamic, which I think we do quite effectively, but it does add a, a layer of complexity to it. So is that through e-commerce? Is that on the website or how do you do your trade desk yourselves? Or? 
So, when I joined, we might be getting into a slightly different discussion here. So, if you want to bring me back yeah, in, okay. yeah, so, but I'll, I'll, I'll just so, so when I joined Progressive, first of all, what a great business it is! Great culture, great people, good products. Hand on heart, a bit of an eye opener when you get in. That's a bit like when you're buying a house and you perhaps don't see that the electrics are going to need doing or maybe a new roof needs putting on there uh, but one of the things that was quite an eye-opener is a real lack of a digital focus so when you're about to come into the pandemic and the businesses that did particularly well really did have a digital lens didn't they mm. we didn't at that time so virtually every order that came through our business was placed through our customer service team wow yeah over the phone, emails, that type of stuff. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So if you consider the turnover that our business had, we're quite a resource-heavy mm. business. So one of the focuses for us as a business during that time is to try and change that. So and we're still going through that evolution, if truth be known. Mm. So where, where are you on the journey then? Over the last, because COVID must have been a challenge for you. So what, what, what are the big changes that you've made over the last couple of years? So when... So ahead of COVID, so, so basically what, so I joined in the January 2019 and I, I became part of the, um, the management team. Our business, it had got great people, but it had got quite an aging workforce. So absolutely no issue with an aging workforce, but what you get with that is a resistance to change. Stuck in their ways. Correct. So we had a management team that were really professional, represented the business brilliantly well, very well respected in the industry, worked bloody hard. Mm. But one or two of those people that really, I guess you'd expect to lead the change in the business were coming up to retirement age, so that was a bit of a problem for us. So I joined the business, and I joined the business at the time as sales manager with a view to one day assuming some more responsibility within the business. That's what really attracted me to, mm. the, to the role of Progressive. Um, and then I, as I joined and I became part of the team and I guess people trusted me, I sort of took more of a front-facing role in the strategy of the business. And sort of the back end of that first year, 2019, I took the lead in reviewing, rebuilding and relaunching the five-year plan. And a key part of that was a digital strategy. I guess broadly speaking at that time it was it was two things. It was it was it was prioritizing our customers, predominantly distributors of retail, online retailers, but also our own digital and website capabilities. So it was sort of two pronged. And as we went into the pandemic, first and foremost, the work that we did with our online retailers, that's really what where we excelled mm. it's a good job that we did that mm. because if you look at our top performing customers now to what our top performing customers were five years ago it's unrecognizable oh. and it was due to that work at the same time we had a, a bespoke erp it system and although it was very reliable it didn't give us that insightful information that we needed it at the back end mm. to be able to arm our, our salespeople yeah. with some really insightful information. 
What it also didn't allow us to do was to build on it some really cool technology in terms of websites and, and all that targeted market marketing, all that kind of stuff. So we embarked on a project at the beginning of 2021 last year to put a new ERP system in and a new website, which we did. It took longer than we expected to do. In tandem? In tandem, wow. that's right. And that went live in April of this year. So it's a very long answer to the question. If you look at us trying to grow sales through our website, mm -hmm. okay, we're still quite early on in that journey. So the ERP system in is in, the website is in. We're now at the process of really making sure that your contact details are, because if they're not, yeah. it's where it falls down. Yeah. So it's been quite an interesting 18 months, the mm. last 18 months. I'm sure. And obviously, we've worked together, so I've known you yeah. for a few years. Um, digital is a space that is always evolving and there's always loads to yeah. learn. How did you handle that going into a new business and thinking, right, I need to, I've got a load of change to do here in terms of yeah. the architecture of the business, the system architecture? That must have been a new new world for you, and how did you go about it? It was a new world for me because when you work for a much bigger business, there are there are people to do that, aren't there? Mm. So it, it swings and roundabouts. When you're in a bigger business, there's a frustration that... There's lots of processes and red tape to go through. That's a frustration, isn't it? Yeah. When I joined Progressive in a small or medium-sized business, it's very hands-on, you can make decisions, but ultimately the book stops with you. And if you don't have those skills, you've got to make a decision, haven't you? I learned quite early, we needed to raise the bar in terms of performance in our business. And one of the ways to do that is we needed to raise the bar in terms of skill set. So I'm a big believer that if you don't have that skill set within the business, you need to look outside of it, and that's what we did. Okay. So we, we looked at recruiting a, a finance controller, our senior finance person with those skills to help us deliver that change product uh, project within IT. So that was the ER, they led on the ERP? That's right. In okay. terms of the website, uh, we've got a very capable, uh, very competent, great marketing manager, Anna. Okay. Uh, so we were fortunate that we, hard, we already had some of those skills within the business. But the reality is some of it we have learned as we've gone. So mm. we have, I guess one of the, another challenge that we've had as a business is one is there's a cost to all of these things. So yeah, you want to go and get that, you want to get that, don't you? You, you sort of identify what you want. But there's a cost implication. And, but the other one is if you do too much change too soon, what you really want to do is you want to try and keep your people with you, don't you, on yeah, that journey. Very yeah. important thing. And that's the other balance that we've had to deal with throughout this process. So it's really been a combination, I would suggest, of, of bringing new people in with that skill set. Mm. Uh, but also using your, your, your network. One of the things that I have got, Steve, I know you've got that, and we've probably all got that, is a great network of people to be able to call upon and say, how would you handle that? Mm -hmm. What what did you do in this situation? And that's also been invaluable. Yeah. So when you you mentioned, obviously, that's an awful lot of change in a short period of time uh, with the pandemic thrown in there just to, you know, to sweeten the, the experience. So one of the key things that we find <clears throat> is that 
any successful you know project that we implement you you need the stakeholders within the client to be strong yeah. uh, and engaged so you touched on it there Pete around the fact that you know obviously you've got a, a, a workforce um, you're embarking on something that's going to transform how the business operates how did you go about keeping everyone on side engaged interested mm. um, did you get their views on things or was it more actually this is what we're doing and you know jump on with us or not yeah that's another very good question I guess my I guess if we start talking about some of the inside stuff I guess my style is I like to involve people so I like to create an environment where people enjoy being at work sounds a bit corny doesn't it but it's true I think if people are happier they're generally more productive aren't they to try and get people on board there's a number of things that we had to do one of the things we had to do there was some poor behavior and poor performance by one or two members of staff that, and I will be honest, was unchallenged. So that needed dealing with. So I think sometimes you've got to you've got to face into those issues, haven't you? Because there's nothing can create a negative environment than than poor and bad behaviour going unchallenged. Yeah. Mm. So we weren't shy in dealing with that quite early. The other one, and, and often good, good businesses communicate well, don't they? Yeah, and communicating well is difficult because everyone likes to communicate <coughs> in a different way. Yeah. Some people love a lot of information. Some people don't want any information at all. Some people like to chat like this. Some people want a big, long email. So you're trying to cater for the masses, aren't you? One of the things I made a commitment to is when we, when we rebuilt the five-year plan is we delivered that to everybody within the business because I wanted everybody on board with... Number one, okay, you can have the nicest slides, you can have the, the best slide deck that you've ever seen. Most people, and I include myself in this, will sit there and think, so what? What's in it for me? So I tried to think what's in it for them. So when we were communicating why we were doing these things, it's, it's not just the why for the business, but it's the why for the individual. And then it's trying to get the point across what's in it for that individual. And I sort of started from that, point of view really um, and try to get as many people involved in that so communication has been the number one thing I would suggest that we've tried to do better in our business because again when I joined we'd had a number of years of, of let's call it mediocre performance but we didn't communicate anything really to our people mm. so if you're not getting rewarded and you're not being communicated to, well, number one, how can you affect that performance? And it also causes a little bit of resentment as to why you're not going to get rewarded for it. So for me, it was about, my style is to try and get people involved. Uh, it was to try and focus on the, the effective communication part, but it was to try and really bring it back to the individual, what, what's in it for them? Because if if people buy into a plan, I think the more, in, the, 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 the more likely to deliver for you, aren't they? Mm. That's Hi guys, I just want to jump in and talk about a specific area of automation which we often get involved in, which is the processing of supplier invoices or accounts payable automation as it's also known. Most businesses have invoices that they get sent from their suppliers. Essentially what our solutions do is they read those invoices, they extract key information from them, like purchase order numbers, supplier codes or supplier names, 
We then use that information and match that up against digital records. So can we find a purchase order number? Can we find a good receive note for that product? If we can, then we can match it up, we can reconcile it, and we can automatically post that into your finance system. What makes us different is that we configure our solutions to be specific to your organization. So we're not an out the box, plug it in and see what you get. We actually understand more about your processes, your organization, your supplier base, and we configure the solution to meet those requirements. Hopefully that's enough to pique your interest. If it is, get in touch, let's have a chat. And what about externally? So suppliers, customers, the market, did you, did you worry about that communication or was it very much get my ship facing the right way? And... Well, I guess we did, I guess we did prioritise internally at first. Hmm. Okay, I think one of the other challenges we had as a business, and I mean this with the greatest of respect, is if you're trying to create an environment and a culture, a people environment and culture, where line managers are having meaningful conversations with their staff, one-to-ones, appraisals, team meetings, if they, ha- if they don't have the skills to do that, then you're, you're fighting a losing battle, aren't you? So what we almost had to do is we had, we had to have a line in the sand, but then we had to take a step back and we had to try and get those people with a, a level of competence where they can have those meaningful conversations with their team. Mm. And an example would be at the time is if we look at our purchasing department, one of the things we didn't do very well is that we didn't have great relationships with our supply. Well, sorry, okay, I'll, I'll backtrack. We did. Our suppliers thought a lot about us. But our suppliers were frustrated that we weren't growing sales with them and we were frustrated that we weren't growing sales with them. Mm. And if you look at it, I think what there was a what we tended to do as a business at that time was say, oh, it's, it, it, it's them. They're not working with us, they're working with somebody else. Well, we all know that suppliers and supply partners, they're going to work with somebody that wants to work with them, aren't you? Mm. So, Again, so one of the areas we tried to look at, and we did, and I think we've done it effectively, is how we work with our supply partners. Because you sort of, you've got this constructive tension, haven't you, between the consumer, the end user, the manufacturer, and the distributor. And really, what you need, you need all three of you to work together. But there needs to be that constructive tension mm. where you're all sort of pushing and pulling each other. And so we've tried to create that. So yeah, it wasn't just internally, but we definitely started with our people first, so that we could then start to look at how we communicate with others outside of that business. Okay. And so the the e-commerce. So is it is it a transactional e- e-commerce site? Or is yeah. It, okay. And so have you what have you seen in terms of the volume of transactions going through that then since you launched it? Is it is it a growing part of your business? I don't need exact numbers, but no, no, it's it's a growing part of our business, but. Number one, the goal live date was after we expected it to be. So without going into too much detail, we had a project manager that wasn't me. <laughs> Let's just say it ended up being me. Okay. Okay. Now, I've, now I've, I've been involved in implementing IT systems, but as a very small piece in a bigger cog. I had to take a a more forward-looking role within that. So I learned an incredible amount. Um, we were naive to think that we could deliver that new ERP system in the time frame that we set ourselves. And it, and it ended up to, it took 13 months from, from project start date to go live. 
still pretty good. I've seen Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's one thing to get people talking. If you want to start a conversation with somebody, talk about when you implemented an ERP system because <laughs> they'll all go, oh, yeah, yeah, I get you. So it did make me feel a little bit better that. So it was a little bit painful, but we actually ended up deploying it pretty well. But there was a delay in that. The other uh, complication was our contacts. We, mm. thought, we thought we'd done a good piece of work making sure that our contacts were where they needed to be and they, and they were. So for many, many reasons, we were never going to deliver the growth that we expected. So we're just completing that piece of work now. So we have seen, percentage-wise, a real uplift in transactions and sales. But the reality is it's comparing it to a number that's very small. Mm. So if you look at our strategy and our targets now, the second half of this year, but going into the next financial year, that, that's really when we're going to try to look for some growth. Mm. And with that, Excuse me. Have you seen a drop in your normal methods of taking orders, so emails, phone, and it's now going transaction, or has that remained linear, or this, you know, and actually you've now seen an increase because other people are like, yeah. oh, that's an easier way to deal with progressive, so I'm just going to do that, and your normal clientele that are normally doing that. So you've actually seen an uplift in sales through a, a different yeah. method of communication. So. The simple answer to that is our customer service team have not seen a reduction in workload. Okay. That is a positive because it's it's offset by the, the increase in transactions and the, new, the newer business that we've had. Um, what we need to do is to get more of our customers self-serving. It's a, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And we just don't have that in any great volume. So we, we're not seeing any of the benefits at the moment of that side of, of, of the digital and the, the, the website and the ERP system. What we really want to do is to start to create some time for our customer service team, who are brilliant by the way, really is one of our differentiators, um, to be just be more proactive. Uh, but they can't be at the minute because it's so transactional. Yeah. So we, 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 at this moment in time, and if I'd got my customer services manager sat here, she would vouch for that. We haven't seen any benefits for that at the moment. And we're coming into our busy period, so we're unlikely to, I would suggest, until we get into the next, mm. next well, year. I might go a bit um, specific here, but one, one of the challenges with e-commerce and B2B is a lot of customers pay different prices because yeah. of the, how much they buy, etc. cetera. Yeah. How, how do you handle that in your business easily? or? challenges yeah well we have the added complication as well is that we, we sell to distribution and to end users yeah. so that is that that adds another alert the same to platform for the same front shop window essentially. correct right and the way that we handle that is is when we built the project team for the ERP system we sort of had a project group that looked at pricing because we knew that that was going to be pretty gnarly mm. it was also a key part of the selection process when we were looking for the right product for us so we'd sort of done a bit of homework on that prior to selecting who yeah, we were going to go with. Key requirement, I need this to work. Yeah. yeah, so we had a project team, and and, and although it's, it's not been without its challenges since we've gone live, I guess what we did is, is we thrashed that to death in the play system and the testing okay. prior to going live. So we've, we've got that built into the system. It's fascinating because we're getting a customer's view of some of the challenges yeah. of delivering software yeah. projects, which is which is brilliant. Um, 
I guess what, what looking back at those changes, then what what would you do do differently sat here today if you could have your time again? Specifically related to digital or just just in general? Um, well, let's start with just in general. Just in general, what have I learned? What's the resilience? It's a word that comes out a lot at the moment, isn't it? Not mm. just at work, in people's yeah, private yeah, life as well. The world has changed. I, I feel it. You can you can you can sense that the staff. A feeling it. I, by my very nature, I, I'd like to be a people pleaser. So what you're trying to do is, there's there's a fine line between helping people but but creating a layer of resilience as well. So one of the things that I would say to myself now is is try and learn that level of resilience early because as much as you try to keep everybody happy, as long as you're as long as your goals are the right ones and your core values are the right ones, sometimes you can't. So that level of resilience and, and just getting on with it. Um, sticking to a plan. If you think you've got the right plan, even through difficult times, try and stick to that plan. Mm. Review the plan often. Be agile enough to change the plan and don't be arrogant enough to think that you don't. But if you've got that plan, stick to that plan, because I think that will pay dividends. And I learned that quite quite early. We didn't get there right at the beginning. It took a little bit of time. But I think that's really paying dividends. Now, you're talking about the vision, because the way so, you get to that vision can be different ways, but ultimately being clear on where you want to get to. Correct, yeah. yeah. There's a few analogies that you see at the moment, particularly in social media, about understanding where your goal is, but things end up coming into the way and you've as long as you've got your your, your, your goal you can find another one and I completely agree with that mm. yeah okay um, yeah and I think the other one is just strong leadership mm. just just providing your team with that vision of where you want to get to and giving them the confidence that you're going to get there because People go through some stuff, and they have done, particularly over the last two to three years. And not all of it is work stuff. You assume mm. that it's all work, and it's not. Often it's not work stuff. So really being clear on the vision and what people's role is in that vision and really creating that hope and that confidence in your team that you're going to get there. Mm. So that's what I've learned over the last few years, particularly when you're the person at the top and you're responsible for a lot of families. It's it, it, it's it's a really it's a role that should be respected, mm. uh, and that's what yeah, that's I've learned that for sure. Yeah. And what about the technical stuff, like the, this world of digital? You've yeah. obviously got some good, really good experience in it over the last couple of years. But yeah. looking back specifically on those projects, is there anything that you think, if I had my time again, I would do this or that? The number one thing that I would do. Specifically in regards to the ERP and the website project, I would have recruited a project manager from outside the business to come in and handle that. Mm. It's one of those things. At the time, we had a we had a business that had had some poor performance for a couple of years. So you're trying to balance investing in the business with controlling your costs. Having seen what I know now, just do. We've got the product that we wanted at the end of it, but just 
get somebody to come in and project that expertise is apps is an absolute godsend mm. and what that would do is it would free up my time and other people's time to do their jobs and in, inevitably you're going to increase your sales and your profitability anyway that, that would be one of the things so we did try and look outwards and bring that expertise in but what we didn't do is we didn't get the project manager i would certainly do that just to deliver the project i, I would so I would imagine I would imagine this is common for all projects like that. But you sort of have a you have, you have a project manager, you, you ERP provider. You have a project manager at Progressive Safety, and then you have a point of escalation above each to get I nearly swore there, but get stuff done. Yeah, it's that point of escalation, and then underneath your project manager at each, you've got a project team. I think what we did really well is 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 the project team that we created at Progressive was brilliant. It really brought a sense of team and and, uh, and how they collaborated better than we've ever had before as a business. At, at the project management at our level, not through want of trying, it was to do with skill set. It's, it, it takes a specific yeah. skill because you're ultimately accountable for getting stuff done. And if that starts to go off piste a little bit, mm. it can really veer you off. And then you're incurring costs you're creating ill will, you lose your team a little bit in terms of the confidence in the product and you've got to be really careful about that. Um, that would be an absolute focus of mine now. We would have gone out and we wouldn't have, yeah, we'd have just paid the money to do that. Do you think it would have saved you money in, in the longer run in as much as you would have got a project delivered probably potentially more efficiently and focused? Yeah, I think... It's really difficult to put a value on that. We could we could put a value on some of that. I've signed off some invoices where you look at it and you think, actually, by doing this, this, this and this, we wouldn't have needed that. So I could definitely put a value to some of that. The other is just people's well-being, including my own. Mm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, so Nick Milner... Uh, sales manager, absolutely brilliant guy. He's worked for the last 12 months basically creating the sales arm of that ERP system and he's done a brilliant job for it. With better support from a project manager at our end, he could have focused more with his team, delivering new business, more profitable business. It's hard to put a number to that, you could probably try, but mm. he would have done that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. free months to actually do his day job. Yeah. Correct. How did you find working with Third parties, I'm assuming you work with third party implementers of software. I don't need to name them, but how, how was that relationship? How did you find working together? Challenging, actually. Mm. Challenging. Well, it's hard to, I guess it's hard to understand what is normal in inverted commas and what is as a result of the world being as it is at the moment. So, a good point. We, we've needed as a business a new IT system for lots and lots of years. There were so many reasons. We, it was an absolute no-brainer for us. Um, so it wasn't a question of if we're going to do it. It's a question of when we're going to do it. I guess it's a bit like when you sit down and you think whether you should have kids or not. There's never a good time, is there? Is there? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. But you just do it, don't you? And it was a bit like that with the IT system. So we we done all the we done all the prep for it. 
Uh, and then we got to the beginning of 2020 and it was like, right, when are we going to do this? Are we going to do it this year or are we going to do it next year? If we don't do it this year, sales are going to get affected by it. People are becoming a little bit disgruntled. And we just we went for it. We thought, you know what, who knows what the future looks like? Mm. Um, so we went for it. So then we got involved with uh, various third parties. And they were all impressive. And, and the partner that we've gone with, the product is brilliant. Uh, and the, many of the people were brilliant. One of the things, one of the challenges that we had is it's a relatively new product in the marketplace. And you're only as good really as the boots on the ground. Mm. And I think one of the things that we found frustrating, partly because of the pandemic, because people were working remotely, and I know we all work remotely and lots of things work really well on Teams, there comes a point where you need to really get to know somebody's business, i.e. our business, and you can't be getting on site, getting people around the table, mm. going to walk in the warehouse and operations and customer service and just getting stuff done. Mm. So that part of it I found quite frustrating because I'm a doer, you just want to get mm. things done. And, and the more people that are involved in it, the harder it becomes to get stuff done. And it comes down to the project management of it. So it was a real eye-opener for me. I've never done that before. I've never had such day-to-day -day interaction with a third-party company. Mm. Um, generally a positive experience. Some things where you've got to take control and get some stuff done which was quite frustrating. Yeah. Um, but then again, I've got a real vested interest in the business because ultimately it's affecting your bottom line, isn't it? Mm. What about the testing phase? Oh, I was going to ask that. Yes. Go on, you, you, no, 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 you can go for it. Well, it's, it's a challenging phase of any project, right? And I guess for a business where you probably don't yeah. have full-time experienced software testers, yeah. there's, a, there's a responsibility on you guys to test that software, which guess is challenging but I'm putting words in your mouth so how did that work for you? Uh, I just has somebody prepped you for that because mm -hmm. that's, that's that's one of the areas so because the project was being delayed okay so, so the basics of any project are you let somebody know what sort of things that you want your system to do they show it to you, you go oh yeah it can do that then then you select your partner you sit around a table with a project team. You create your project team, progressive safety in this instance. And then you start to talk about what must this system do that it currently does? And what would you like it to do? And you scope it out. We call it user stories or, or whatever it is that you do. So you create, this system must do that and we'd like it to do that. The RP, IT company go away and they say, right, our, our system can do that. Yeah, it can do that, it can do that. Can, it can't do that, but it can do that with some development time. Do you want to do that? It's going to cost you that? Yeah, we'll do that. Or it can't do that. Okay, fine. Where it really comes down is the testing. And the idea is to thrash it, isn't it? It's, mm. it's, it's, it's to use the play system in every single scenario that you can think of. Try and break it. When we went live, because the project, because the project went on longer than we wanted it to, and then it starts to incur additional costs, you sort of get to that stage where you think, do we go for this or don't we? And I would say that in 80% of our business, 
when it went live, it went like a dream. Mm. Maybe not like a dream, but you get you get the point. Where it didn't was where we didn't use the play system and we didn't test it and test it and test it and it and it stands out like a sore thumb. Guys, I'm back. I just want to jump in and talk about a specific area of automation that we get involved in, which is called RPA, also known as robotic process automation. Basically, what that does is it replicates human behavior. So we use software bots to replicate human behavior. So anywhere where you've got people or teams of people going onto different systems, copying, pasting data, going onto web applications or portals, downloading information, uploading information, any of that stuff tends to be rule-based. Go here, do this, do that. And instead of using your people to do that, actually you can use a bot to do that. So we can train, configure a bot to do exactly that process. It's a massive growth area, really exciting, exciting technology. Gartner talk about it as being the fastest growing enterprise technology in the market. Hopefully that's enough to have piqued your interest. If it is, get in touch, let's have a chat, see if we can help. Why didn't you play with it, test it, thrash it? Two main reasons. One is skill set within that department. Okay. I guess at that time I was project managing it. So you are relying on the, your project sure. team doing what they say that they're going to do. So yes, you can show me this show, but ultimately, if they're saying, yeah, I've done it, tick, 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 you, you're sort of taking their word for it, aren't mm -hmm. you? So I think two reasons. One is skill set. So whoever was leading that particular part of the project and the other one was time. And it comes down it, it comes down to that. But I, I would suggest the main one was was his skill set. So forgive me, in that this is an interrogation. But so if it's skill set in a particular department with a particular module within the ERP if they use or they're in that department on a daily basis, yeah. it was it skill set in using the new system, or was it skill set in the knowledge of the process? Because I'm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll say this diplomatically. Probably a bit of both. So, okay. so, so one of the points that I made earlier in our business, we've got listen. Uh, on record, we've got a great business with great people. And everyone has got strengths and skills and everyone's got development areas. One of the things in our business was a lack of IT skills. It was a bit old school. Okay? So when a customer phones us, we, we give an absolutely brilliant level of customer service. Wherever that is through the business, not just through the customer service team. Collectively, that's what we do. When we went to implement this, we had some challenges, and we were faced with a with with some challenge from across the business, because some people really didn't want to do it, and the reason the reason they didn't want to do it is because they didn't have the skill set, and some people just didn't want to do it. They didn't want to go through the change yeah. process, mm -hmm. yeah. and that was generally across the piece. So we tried to find the right people in the business that had the right skill set. And we did the best that we could, I guess. And we've done it really successfully. Mm -hmm. um, but then, if you're anything like me, you reflect a lot. You think, what could we have done differently there? Not just because of the product at the end of it. To do with the pain that you go through on the journey to get there. Yeah. So when you're trying to create a, a great environment for people to work in, 
what you don't want to do is create an environment where people are under stress or under pressure or put in situations that they're really not comfortable yeah. with, even with support. And in one or two areas, that was, I think that was the case. Mm. If I reflect back and think, well, what could we have done differently? Do you know, I'm not... I'm not difficult in, one. It's a real difficult one. I don't have the answers to that because you can't just go out and get that and that and that and that. You can do that to a degree. I think the project manager would have helped. I think that perhaps I was project managing by doing all the other stuff that you do. I think a project manager with that time could have perhaps spent more time with those people and offered more support than I did. So that's one of the things I would reflect on. But you are only as good as your people. And, and again, I'll put on record, the guys at Progressive are fabulous. But you've got to understand what your strengths are. And I think that was, that was always one of those things when you're looking at doing that. It's going to be transformational for our business. So before we delivered that, people said, we can't do that here. Mm-hmm. We, we can't, you can't do that here. They did. That, I mean, that was, that was said. It's not broke, so we don't need to fix it. Yeah, and you look, at, you look at the system that we've got now. It uses all the latest technology. It's in the cloud. It's linked to operations, drivers with handsets, and all the way through the piece, it's got, an, it's got integrated website. It's, it's brilliant. Is it working at 100%? Not yet. It's probably about 90%. But it really is transformational for our business. Unfortunately, the staff that have gone through that, some of them have had to go through the ringer to get there. So I'm eternally grateful for that, but it absolutely needed doing, yeah. Any lessons that you've learned about that change management piece, taking people on the journey? Because different people are different levels of maturity when it comes to IT. And how do you handle that? Yeah, I think... So if I go back to my management and leadership style. I am not a micromanager. I don't like being micromanaged. Mm. I have been micromanaged, and you don't want to get the best out of me by micromanaging me. How I like to work is creating an environment where people feel trusted. I give them my time, empower them, listen, try to allow people to make mistakes. I think in one or two areas of the business, I should have been more visible. So somehow I've created more of my time to be with those one or two of those people Mm. or find the people in our business that could do that on my behalf because you can't do it all yourself, Ken. That's ridiculous. Um, I think think that, but the thing is once, once you're into that project and it should be deployed after 12 months and then it's 13 and 14, by the time you get to that stage, you sort of already... Just, let's just leave that as it is. It'll, it'll take its course. Yeah. But I think recognising those signs earlier is probably... Yeah, it's, it's probably... But you are reliant upon people also being honest with you. There is mm. only so many opportunities that you can give somebody by creating an environment where they can be honest with you. You are yeah. relying on that other person saying to you at that stage, I need some help here. Mm. So, so you've implemented this transformational yeah. system... Um, it's you've overcome some hurdles and obstacles along the way. Yeah. What's the consensus within the team um, as to 
right, we're ninety percent of the way there, but you know that's that's still a, a fair achievement. At, you know, after that sort of space of time, what's the what's the consensus of, amongst everyone as to what the new system's delivering and is life better? Are they happier? Light, yeah, light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there's a, there's absolutely light at the end of the tunnel. In the interest of being honest, it comes down. It comes down to the person leading that department, in my experience. That's that's what creates the culture within a department. Mm, yeah. So you can try and do, you can try and do that from the top, and I can I can explain what I think and why it's important, and if we don't do this, this is what how it's going to impact on you. But ultimately, it comes down to the day to day. Where it's working really well in our business is where you have the person leading that part of that business is enthusiastic about it, they've worked all the way through the project, they've delivered what they said that they should deliver, and now it's working and it's working well. And not only is it doing as well as it did before, it's actually adding value in areas where you didn't think. Because some things will take longer. If you're gonna get meaningful, well, I don't, I'm telling this to you guys, you know this better than anyone. But I, was, I tried to manage expectations at the beginning. If you're going to get better data coming out of the end of it, you've got to put it in at the front end. You don't get one without the other. And our system was really, really basic. So you didn't get real meaningful data at the end of it. If we want that, you've got to, you've got to put it in. So some things within our business are taking longer to do. But if you've got the right mindset and you're thinking about it, in a particular way, then you can forgive that for, for the other things that it gives For the you. outcome at the end. I'm going to sell them on the continually. That's right. Sell the benefits of this is why you're doing it. Cause, that's right. Yeah, this is what we're going to be able. So if we go to 80, 90% of our business, that's where we're at at the minute. The, I'll tell you that the thing, the most pride I've got in our business in terms of who's accepted that and just done an absolutely amazing job were our warehouse and operations team. And our operations manager, he's been with the business a long time, but he's a relatively inexperienced operations manager. But his attitude was just brilliant from the off. Mm. He bought into it. He cared. He did what he should do. He held his team accountable. That's the other thing. Mm. Yeah. People, people are afraid of the, of the words responsibility and accountability, but I think any good business, they do that really well. People mm. take responsibility and accountability for their roles and their teams, and he did that. And and that was an area of our business where when we, when we were talking about this, it was like, ooh, the implications for that part of the business, they're going from here to here in terms of that journey. Yeah, and they've, they've, it's not been without its hurdles, but they were brilliant. Mm. And they, they were brilliant because they did what they should have done. Yeah. If they didn't know something, said we don't know it, help us. They sought advice, they tried it, they tried it, they failed, they tried again. And by the time they deployed it, it's working great. And that's, it's, it's brilliant to see that. But you don't do it without the hard work, do you? Mm, agreed. Yeah. What about looking forward then to the future? So you talked a lot about last two, three years. Yeah. Where, what does the next two or three years look like for you guys? For the business? Mm. Yeah, well we've had, Okay, so when I joined the business, we'd, have, we'd had a few years of, of, of mediocre performance and, and we talk about raising the bar and, and that raising the bar wasn't just done by me, it was done collectively as a team. We, we, we delivered an organisational structure. There was IT, there was product development, there was marketing, there was a digital 
focus that we needed. We've done an awful lot in a relatively short period of time mm. when you consider that we've had a pandemic through that as well. The future looks, it's about acceleration for us now. So I think that acceleration piece is getting right back to the plan. We're just embarking on a, a, a range review for footwear, which is really exciting. So we're, we're going to deliver some new products to the market. We really, really now need to get stuck in to, to the IT and the digital element of this. So we need to accelerate growth through our websites. Uh, when I joined the business, we didn't have an opportunity uh, an opportunity pipeline. All we did, but it was in people's heads. Mm -hmm. We've got a full opportunity pipeline now. That's a really healthy pipeline, so we can see what we're working on, and we've got some good opportunities bubbling under. We've got a really strong management team. The core of, of the spine of the team um, is really talented now, and you can only really deliver results if you've got the right people to deliver those results. So I'm really confident now that we've got the team to go and deliver that. So it's, it's now about acceleration and we can start to see that again. So uh, so we had a bit of that, then COVID hit. Mm. We grew back quicker uh, and then it dropped back down and now we're back in that period of growth. So it's about acceleration, but digital will be frontline and center. And it's not just our digital, it's how we can one of the things that I've learned is even some of our big retailers and distributors, you can still teach them some stuff and they want to be taught some stuff. So we've got some of that knowledge in our business now to be able to do that. So one of the things we need to do is, is to work closer with some of our key retailers to help them grow their online retailers. And a real key part of that is dropshipping and marketplaces. The last three or four months we've started doing some research on that. And it's that is not without its challenges. Certainly for a business like ours that is not, it doesn't have the infrastructure currently or it didn't to really deliver that. Mm -hmm. That's been a bit of an eye opener because we've had some conversations about that, haven't we? I think the smart money for us, if we're gonna if we're gonna accelerate our growth. Everybody is risk averse and dropship and market places are a way that retailers can be risk averse. But if you're not geared up for that, you're going to come a cropper. Mm -hmm. So that's where our focus is right now. That, that changes your business model slightly, I guess. Well, in, in a way it doesn't because you already deliver direct to consumer. But that's right. that drives you more towards uh, how do you dropship to an end consumer as opposed to yeah. drop a big pallet load in somewhere. And how, what does that mean for you as a business, your business model, the technology that you've invested in, etc.? Yeah. So this is sort of led us. So when you when you start on this journey, there's there's a number of ways that you can deliver that. I guess in my mind, you do it all in house. So if you're going to do it all in house, what you're potentially doing is you're going to have a lot more transactions customers placing orders that need processing, invoices that need processing, you're going to get a lot of those for relatively low value. Mm -hmm. So if you've not got the technology to pick that up, well, your people are going to do it, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then you've got to scale up your resource, but potentially the profit margins that you're looking at on dropship are lower. You need to sell a lot to make a... So there's that. So if you're going to do that, then you really start to look at the technology behind it system integration how can you just get system to system talking mm. to each other and cut that out 
that's one of the things that we're really scoping out right now. Would that still be with your same customer base or would it be separate affiliates that have just set yeah. up a website and it's they might not have a trade desk, they might not be <coughs> might not be your typical customers that because in my mind, again, they've got a trade desk, they've got a warehouse, they have a shop, they've got workwear, they're selling yeah. other things as well. But someone could just set up a, a website and just be selling your type of products and then someone clicks an order and it comes through to you to fulfill. So yeah. they're just focusing obviously on the marketing and sales That's and right. trying to get the visibility out there. But yeah, it's a different, in, in different, customer, well, yeah. different customer, I guess. In, in answer to your questions, one of the challenges we've got is we've got so many opportunities, you've got to be careful not to lose focus to the plan. Because mm, sure. you end yeah, up doing a lot of things badly. Yeah, you think, yeah. So that, that's one of the things that we're trying to focus on. So our marketplace and dropship opportunities, we've identified two or three that are predominantly with existing where we, where we sell product to their DC at the moment, their distribution centre. What we're now trying to do is open up a broader range of products to them. So, so our focus right now predominantly is on, is on growing existing. We do have one or two other big name brand retailers that we don't currently trade with mm. that we're looking at market ship, mm. uh, marketplace and dropship. There are many other opportunities out there that we're just sort of pulling back from at the minute because your time can get dragged in a certain place and I'm not sure that the reward at the end of it is, is, is going to befit the time that we need to spend on it. Mm. Sorry, you asked me a question. I'm not sure I've answered that. Uh, well, you talked about you know, how, how do you handle that changing business model when yeah. you talked about technology. The, the other thing that we're exploring is there are businesses out there that their expertise is dropship. Okay. So you can almost use them to take all that. So where, so how consumers want to, how consumers, consumer habits have changed significantly over the last few years. And therefore retailers habits have changed and their demands of the likes of us have changed. And the big, the big boys, what they're going to do is they're going to set various SLAs, KPIs, and they're going to say, right, okay, if you want this business, great. But if you deliver that late, we're going to charge you that fine. And if you're going to deliver that late, we're going to charge you that fine. But when you're supplying a product that could be a pair of trousers mm. or a polo shirt, or before you know it, you hope that you don't have those fines. But if you do, you've, you've lost any money that you yeah, would make. Right. Yeah. So you've got to be absolutely confident that you can go and smash that. Mm. So one way of doing that is not doing it and actually doing it through somebody whose expertise is that. That's another line of our inquiry at this moment in time. Mm. So we haven't made the decision yet. The, the, the likelihood is that we're gonna get on board with it, because I think, I, think, I think we're gonna to have to find a way of, finding, of making it profitable for us. What we haven't found yet is the conduit to get there. Mm. I think we're quite close. Again, I've learned an awful lot in the last six months. Last question on the marketplace yeah. piece, because by nature there's loads of SKUs, loads of products on there. How do you differentiate yourself from the market, which is all present on the marketplace? Yeah. Um, there's a number of ways that you can do it. There is still an element of people buy from people. <clears throat> so even though there's a digital lens through all of this, if you've got a good relationship with a category manager, and they can buy into your product. Mm. I mean, for example, if we look at JCB workwear, um, we're very lucky 
to have the licensee, the exclusive license for JCB Worldware. One of the things is it opens JCB up to the, the distributor and the retailers. If you can get them to JCB, and the, you can see that. That's a real differentiator. Mm. Um, but one is, is, is the personal element, is the building that relationship. The other one is, is working with them, supporting on promotions. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be um, it, it can be investing in their website, so you can have a home page or a brand page. So sometimes, often, you've got to speculate to accumulate. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things I found difficult is I want to invest in the business. We want to invest in the business. If you can see a return on investment at the end of it, mm-hmm. some of it, because. This is relatively new. There isn't the evidence out there that says, do you know what? If you outlay £20,000 to have a brand page on that, you're going to return that. There isn't. So there is a bit of a, a suck it and see type scenario. So we, we do quite a lot of that. So there's, there's a, there are a number of ways that you can, that you can support price, promotions, mm. brand pages, that personal touch. I think the data, like you say, that further on down the line, you've set yourself up to to be in an interesting position because yeah. you, you'll have loads of data to have a look at trends, so look right. at what products are shifting. You can then advise different retailers, obviously, who's going which products to push, and in the marketing yeah. side of things, getting good data in. You can obviously see who's buying what, where, and when, and then try and incentivize upsell and cross sell that type of thing. Because data is key, mm. especially is fast key. moving online. Uh, yeah. data is key. The right images, the right number of images, the right keywords in the right order is all key. So one of the things we do really well as a business, and I think we punch above our weight in terms of turnover, is, is some of the videos for the products, okay, for the business. So you can start to get some of those online. That does differentiate your product from a and other products. Mm, yeah, you just so there's lots of exciting things that are happening. Um, we just need to do more of it, I think. Yeah. Okay, so the podcast is called Tomorrow's Workplace Today. So we always ask, kind of, catch your mind forward 10 years. What, what do you think the workplace looks like when you're rocking up at progressive safety offices or not? Mm-hmm. Or what, what, what does the world of work look like in 10 years' time? It's interesting, that. I think from a... It's not so much related to digital, but I think the whole sustainability piece is now gathering some pace. Interesting, okay. And, and we as a business... There's two prongs to sustainability, isn't there? There's the moral element to it. You all, you, you've all, you're duty bound to do your bit mm. for the world. And the other one is the commercial aspect of it. Consumers' demands are changing. If you don't get on board with it, you're going to lose out. So let's be realistic about that. So there is definitely a shift in terms of sustainability. If you look at our world and the products that we sell, there is a shift, certainly in clothing to not necessarily buying new clothes, but, but fi- finding ways of buying, how would you put it nicely? Second-hand clothes, that doesn't sound particularly sexy, but you get- Recycled. Yeah, recycled, yeah. Already used, it's whole, already loved. The whole cycle, so I think it's gonna be interesting to see what that looks like. Mm. But the sustainability piece is, is gonna be really important. From a digital perspective, I just don't know. If you look at our business, if you look at our premises at the moment, we're outstripping our premises. The temptation is to go out there and look for bigger. Mm. Um, I think there's definitely going to be a need for that in terms of stock. But in regards to where people work, 
I think I think more and more people will be working from home. Mm. I don't know how it works here. Um, I'm a big believer in measuring outputs and outcomes mm -hmm. rather than inputs. Inputs tend to be quite, you must do 10 calls, you must do that, you must sit at a desk. Mm -hmm. And you can really, what you can do is encourage the wrong behavior really, can't you? Mm -hmm. There's enough ways of measuring somebody's performance without doing that, I think. Yeah. So we're seeing more of a shift of people working from home, but not all the time. So I think, I think that will change. Flexible. Mm -hmm. um, interesting, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, I think two key place. things that come out a lot. Yeah. I think the environment, like you say there with the environmental thing, if we can, with the drop shipping, instead of moving a product from one warehouse to another warehouse to then yeah. give it mm. to someone, you can yeah. go straight to an individual. You're just taking a, a step out of the process. Absolutely. You, you speak to values quicker and they've got the product that they're wearing it. it yeah, it's that app culture in it that Amazon, you, you buy it and it arrives same day or next day type well, thing it's that's the thing i'm now at the point where you know you used to, it. prime used to be brilliant uh, you know used to be listen to me used yeah. to be brilliant i'll get it yeah. tomorrow now i'm like well, if i order it this morning like yesterday i'd go and get something from my mum. i was like in an ideal world i'd just go on my phone yeah. buy that and she'll get it this afternoon jobs are good and, and it's like it's outlandish to think like that but it will happen eventually if it hasn't already started because you know, five years ago, it was like, yeah, get it in a few days. I mean, I went into a shop, uh, a clothes shop, for the first time in mm, 10, 11 years, a couple of weeks ago. Wow. And it was just like, uh, I had to just, you know, buy some socks or something like that, you know, caught short and all that. But it was like, I've, I've not been in a shop because I just go online and go, yeah, I'll, I'll try that. Try It comes, don't like that, like that, send that back. On the whole everything's so convenient yeah and the click and collect experience as well people have got an app they go like that and then they'll figure out which branch is local to them and they right. go and get it and there's a couple of our retailers they're now making a commitment to deliver within two hours of somebody placing an order wow oh, I mean yeah. wow that is that's some supply chain that that's insane I was thinking, well, again, I was just thinking in terms of safety and workwear, though, like if you look at oil and gas or if you're looking yeah. at certain projects that you've got lads on site or something's happened and they need new yeah. boots or they need whatever they need or they can't go on a facility without the right equipment, then, yeah, you could have someone that's, yeah, waiting to go on the old rigs and he's, yeah, he's yeah. necessary, I don't know, but. You rank people on that speed. Drone. <laughs> you know what's go. coming, isn't it? Little drones. Drones. You can have your own fleet of drones <laughs> and you can send them out. Pay yeah, me later, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. On the drones note, we'll we will leave it there. But Pete, thank you very much for joining us. Really, really thank you very much. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> <Work it. laughs>